Hello? Are you ready? Okay, let's do this. Dr. Ashley Hovez has officially left her job as an associate dentist working for someone else and has bought her own space to build her dream dental practice. She is starting from scratch. Now the last time I spoke with her was in an interview which aired in this podcast and if you want to backtrack and listen to it, it was episode 59 about two or three weeks ago from today. She was like a bullet shot straight out of a Smith & Wesson .44 Magnum. But that was about three weeks ago. You and I both know change is one of the most common and for sure things that can happen to us. So what has happened since then? She was so excited to create Smile Bar and had amazing ideas for it. She was currently talking to a designer about her vision and about to leave to Las Vegas for the AACD event. But change occurred and it sucks because i wasn't there and i really wanted to document let's catch up all right so so much has happened michael since we last spoke um i had to go back into my calendar because of all the meetings that i've taken um i flew to las vegas um for the aacd which is the cosmetic dental convention, the annual one. Um, and I got news from my contractor that um, our permits were approved, which is nice. crazy because we thought that the whole permit situation would take six to eight weeks. So I, that's what I was thinking, like, oh, man, this is going to drag on. And um, my contractor just went to City Hall, and, and he was just constantly there, like, fighting for fighting for this project to get started and mm -hmm. I got the, I got the word there in Vegas and and it was crazy because as soon as they got the permits like they were in the space gutting it the next day and it kind of sucks because I wasn't there and I really wanted to document like the first you know hammer or sledgehammer to the space and I and <laughs> you're in I, Vegas <laughs> so I missed out on that but I'm just so happy that things are just moving forward so fast and um, so I met with my designer a couple times. Um, I met with my IT guy. I met with my graphic designer for the, the web. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of this, it's just been a lot of stuff. While I'm still taking my implant course um, and, and then going to the CDA to pick out my uh, equipment. So, so yeah, lot, lots of stuff. Wow, that's... That's really exciting. Where did you find the contractor that you're using right now? Because he sounds like he's he's working with you side by side always. Oh, I know. So his name is Dave Olson. He's been amazing. So um, in 2011, when we had first moved to Sacramento, I attended this seminar um, put on by Patterson. And he was part of the, the team of advisory. Um, and then when, so that was back in 2011, that's when I first knew that I wanted to do a startup, but I got cold feet and I dragged and dragged and dragged. Mm -hmm. Um, and then again, when I found this space, um, I, so everyone knows that you're supposed to get multiple bids. Now, typically how a contractor bids for a job, according to smallbusiness.cron.com, they have to assess the location, make sure it's financially successful for the contractor. Two, they have to make careful itemization of the materials that will be required for the job so they have to price the materials and on top of that they have to add 10 to 15 percent for waste and service charge for acquiring them three they have to compare the work that is required on the job with jobs they have done in the past four they have to multiply their hourly rate by the number of hours they estimate the job will take add on the cost of materials and a percentage to this total to cover overhead, such as insurance, licensing, transportation, and shop costs. Five, they have to present the estimate to the potential client, along with the schedule that lays out when the job will be completed. So when you're looking to start your practice from scratch, know what's going on in the contractor's mind. So I think I had 
four different contractors walk the space. Um, and out of those four, Dave just, I mean, he just stood out. He, he, not only did he come in to walk the space, but he was prepared with his plumber, his electrician, and everyone just went to work and started taking measurements. And I knew that, you know what, like, forget the other guys, like this guy actually knows what he's going to do. And, and, and it was the best decision ever. He's been amazing. And he knows that I don't know anything about construction. And he's just been holding my hand and walking me through this whole process. Yeah, that's amazing. So what were you looking for in a contractor? Or did you have something in mind? Or you were just going to kind of wing it? Um, well, I, I knew that I wanted someone who had a lot of experience doing dental. And sometimes you find nightmares in hiring a contractor who who isn't well versed in in building um, a dental office. There's so much that has to get planned out in terms of equipment and plumbing and and um, I received a couple quotes that weren't. I I mean, I, Dave wasn't the cheapest, but I knew that I was gonna be getting what I paid for. And I and I and in our um, area, he's he's definitely the go-to guy for for demo construction. So, so being my first rodeo, I, I wanted someone who had that experience, and I wasn't going to, you know, try to choose the cheapest bid in order to save tens of thousands if it, if it meant that neither of us really knew what we were doing. But how much should a contractor, at least a really good one like Dave, roughly cost? Well, according to MarkupAndProfit.com. Let's say your contractor has a 1.5 markup, which is reasonable for a remodeling contractor. That means that if the estimated cost for a job is $10,000, they'll multiply the 10,000 times 1.5 and arrive at $15,000 sales price. However, what also needs to be taken into consideration is what area you are in. In some states, a dental build-out is a lot more or a lot less. The other main important factor is the amount of overhead the contractor has. A typical remodeling contractor will have overhead expenses ranging from 25% to 54% of their revenue. That means every $15,000 job could have overhead expenses of $3,750 to $8,100. But my advice, never hire a contractor based on price. Would you hire the cheapest surgeon in town days before your open heart surgery? Would you ask your mechanic to lower their price before rebuilding the engine on your car and use cheaper material? This dental office is one of your biggest investments you will ever have. Do you really want them to go cheap? The last thing you want is your contractor to use the cheapest material on your beautiful practice, or worse, go out of business while trying to construct your dream dental practice. I thought um, that it was only going to be about a hundred ten dollars a square foot mm -hmm. um, and yeah we've definitely blown that out of the water <laughs> so, <laughs> but but it's also because I mean so I had chosen this um, freestanding building that um, was a previous dental office it was built I think 35 years ago and what drew me to it was the fact that it was freestanding like I, everyone knows that you know um, to to get good like visibility from the road, it, it's great if, if you just have a standalone building. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was already plumbed for, for the, the six ops made it like super enticing. And so I thought, you know what, like maybe we can just do some cosmetic work and, and I could really save on the build out. Like I was only planning on spending a hundred grand, like, and now that I look back on it, it's it's pretty funny because that's definitely not how it went. Because um, Olson, Olson Construction, Dave, he went in and he just took a look around and he said, you know what, Ashley, like you can put some lipstick on this. But in the end, like if you're putting in brand new equipment on pipes that are 35 years old, I mean, he opened the mechanical room and he took pictures of it and he texted it to me and he's like, this is what your mechanical room looks like. Um, and nothing is up to code, like electrical, everything has to be replaced. So um, at the time, like I was overwhelmed, but I think it's, it's definitely worth it. Like yeah. do, doing everything right 
from the beginning is going to save me like all the stress and headache in the end. So, so definitely well worth it. Definitely. Would you say you're spending like double what you had thought a hundred, it was a hundred thousand, right? You said, would you say you're spending like double or triple more? (laughs) Um, it's triple. Triple. (laughs) (laughs) It's triple, but the price you pay for the the confidence knowing that you have the best team in place, I think, is priceless. So And when you started seeing like <laughs> the numbers kind of skyrocket, yeah. Were you starting to think like what the heck am I heck, doing? Like, every day. Like every <laughs> day. I'm like, no, forget this. Like <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. And then I would um I would because I'm on I'm on lots of email lists about um, dental practices for sale. Yeah. In my area, so I get notifications all the time, and I I actually that this is why it's taking me so long. So when I moved back to Sacramento, I w- I knew that I wanted practice ownership. I just didn't know if the startup route was the way to go, and um and I looked at some retail spaces, and and um I mean. I was in like almost in contract for a couple different ones. Um, But then after knowing what it costs in this area to do a startup, I said, you know what, let me just, let me just wait it out. And um, so that's why I I dragged my, I dragged my feet Mm -hmm. and um, I kept looking at all of these older practices, like some of them, oh gosh, like they didn't have digital radiographs. Um, And then it, like you you walk in and you're just completely not inspired and i knew that if i wanted something that would motivate me that it would have to be gutted anyways mm-hmm. so um then i'm paying a premium cuz here in northern california i mean i'm not in rural like there's a lot of dentists everywhere and um i actually went through a couple of um like different offers where I'm thinking I need to be doing my due diligence, looking at the numbers. And before you know it, you have 10 offers on the table that are above asking. Like nobody is doing due diligence here. Mm -hmm. It's seller's market. So I didn't want to overpay for something and then have to gut it in the end anyways. And um, I know you're paying for goodwill, but you know, a lot of the time you don't know what kind of like patient base you're getting, you don't know if those patients are going to stay with you. Yeah. And especially if I'm a younger female and the older, um, the, the senior doc is like um, an older male, like, and he's very conservative or, or what have you. It's just, it's just a lot of risk. And, and I, I mean, I had something in mind that was, was definitely different than anything that I had seen. So that's why I pursued the startup route. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And so let's kind of like backtrack a little bit. And how did you find the building you're in now? My, um, <laughs> so my broker, uh, my commercial real estate broker, he's been so amazing. He, I was in touch with him ever since like, I think a year ago or so. And um, he, I kind of told him what I wanted, like I wanted to be in retail, all this stuff. And then when those places didn't pan out for whatever reason, he had emailed me this listing and it's in Old Folsom, which is awesome. It's like lots of character. And um, I opened up the attachment He's and he said, Ashley, what do you think of this? And I opened up the attachment and I said, oh, hell no. Like that, that is so <laughs> ugly. Yeah. So I almost deleted it right away. And then my husband took a look at it. He's like, wait a minute. Like, don't just dismiss it right off the bat. Like, let's like look at it. So, uh, if it weren't for my husband and for my broker, I probably would still be working as an associate somewhere. So definitely explore all avenues and be creative. Like, imagine what the transformation could look like. Because from the outside, I said, "Oh my goodness, this is going to need a lot of work." But from the inside, like as soon as my broker brought me to the space, I just started envisioning like tearing down walls and and like changing the floor and just changing up the floor plan. So so it actually it it really got me excited. What's your uh, real estate broker's name? His name is Cole Sweet. I decided to look him up. Actually, I looked up the firm he is with, TRI Commercial. He is under the people section, 
towards the very last page. Cole Sweet, S-W-E-A-T-T. He began his career in commercial real estate as an intern at Lambert, Smith, and Hampton in Beverly Hills. He later worked at Collier's International in the Silicon Valley, representing technology companies where he received numerous awards and distinctions. His professional experience is phenomenal, and he has an achievement as a top producer. His education is great too. He has much experience in planning and development, and of course, real estate and business. You could also take a look at some of his client lists and affiliations. Definitely checks out. And if you are in Northern California, oh my goodness, he is by far like the nicest guy, so sweet, so honest, and so patient. Like I'm kind of a tough person to, to work with at times because um, I, I like the nicer things in life. He, he was just really patient with me. So now that we have gotten down how she found the building, what her thoughts were about the building from the initial start, and how she found Dave, her contractor, and her broker, Cole, before we fast forward and move on to demo day, demolition day where the contractor started working and reconstructing the building. What happened in between? What else goes on from the moment you hire your contractor and share your vision and plans with them to demolition day? What really happens in between? What else needs to take place? So I I purchased the building so all the due diligence had to get done before demolition started. They have to go over, it's called a phase one environmental report. Basically, you have to go through the city and it, it's a report that costs thousands of dollars and it's like 100 pages long and they have to make sure that, you know, there weren't chemicals dumped into the, the soil and all this stuff. See, this is all the stuff that I had no idea about. Yeah. Um, they they uh, And because of the building being so old, they had to do an asbestos report. So I had um, lots of different inspections with that. Um, and then the asphalt guy had to come because nothing is ADA compliant. So with my, um, with my parking lot alone, they had to measure out the slope because the slope alone um, needed to get changed. And just in my parking lot alone, Michael, it was like a $16,000 quote. So... Wow. Yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy, and then we had to get you know the plumbers looking at the space, the electricians looking at the space. So I'm I'm definitely supporting the economy. <laughs> 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 Lots of people involved, and That's then cool. obviously my financing had to get through. And um, so I graduated from NYU, which we all know is is not a very inexpensive place to get an education, but I think the average. De uh, debt for dental school students is 350 and up now anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, so that, so my student loans, and then I got my practice loan. Um, and on top of that, I got an SBA loan because uh, I purchased the building. So I'm basically trying to accrue as much debt as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so that was all through Wells Fargo. And then um, because of all the debt, you have to have insurance in place for all of this money that, that you're taking out. So yeah, so a state farm I'm using through my insurance. So all of this stuff is is definitely adding on and, and then your CPA fees and then your attorney fees. So before demo day, you need to do your quote unquote due diligence, which is the stuff we really don't think about, which is phase one environmental report, the 100 page report, do an asbestos report, then you got to make sure everything is ADA compliant so there will be many inspections done at this time. Make sure your financing gets through. You have to continue to pay your student loans and then get your practice loans. Then you have to pay for insurance for all the loans you are taking out. And then you have CPA and attorney fees as well. But Ashley wasn't just throwing money and not thinking about the cost like someone would throw paper into fire hoping the fire doesn't burn out. No, she intensely thought about this. And then the fire was about to burn out. And I almost actually, I almost fell out of escrow. Um, I actually canceled escrow because they wanted me to invest more money into um, 
the escrow account. Basically, with all the so Wells Fargo is awesome to work with, but they also um, want to make sure that you know they're they're not just throwing money like away. So with all the inspections, it pushed back the um, the end of escrow date to the point where the owner was getting really annoyed, really frustrated, and mm. and then uh, so that was one of the biggest headaches where um, he wanted more money up front. Because um, it's called a, a soft deadline. Um, up until the soft deadline, you can still recoup whatever money you have in the escrow account should you decide that you don't want to move forward with the purchase. So because of all these different testings that needed to get done, it was like just pushing everything back. So the owner said, you know what, like in order for, for me to be okay with pushing back this deadline, you're going to need X amount to deposit that's going to be non-refundable. Um, I, you know, I don't even remember the, the exact amount. It was like a few thousand. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, you know what, like, forget this. Like it's, it's so much money. Um, and, and now like I'm investing even more money just doing the testing. So, um, that was, something that I didn't know about on top of how much the construction was going to cost to redo all of this. So I, I actually, I canceled escrow and, um, and I knew for sure, for sure, like you, they say that you don't know how much you want something until it's gone. So the day that we both canceled escrow, like I just broke down and I, and I waited for my husband to come home and, and I told him, you know, like, see, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Sorry. It's okay. And he said, you know, like if it's if it's something that you really want to do, like is a few thousand or ten a ten thousand, even like is it going to be worth it to you? And and then so after he said that, like I, it was just such a long drawn out process, and it, it was something that I wanted just so bad. And and I said, you know what, you're right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm already all in. Like I might as well just do this and, and, and just move forward. So, so I got my broker to call their broker and, and my broker said, you know what, Ashley, like, it's not this easy because that, um, they, they already had two buyers in the wing waiting for me to, to, um, fall out of escrow. Oh. So I waited and that was, I swear, I didn't sleep for like two nights. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I just made the biggest mistake because I didn't want to lose out on 10 grand. Um, and, and then my, um, my broker, this is how awesome he is. He just contacted the broker and, and he said, you know, like this is, this is something that that's going to be good for the community. She has a really good plan in place. Like let's, let's move forward together. And, and that broker was able to convince her buyer to, to put my deal back on the table. So, so we were back on track and, and yeah, like this road to, to practice ownership, like not only are you just starting from scratch without any patience, but, but if you do decide to be ballsy and, and purchase the building, like there's, I mean, there's a lot riding on it. Like it's, I think all in, we're over a mill now. Oh, and two other things you need to add to the due diligence, which is you need to set up a corporate and an LLC. So you have to set up your... Corporation, corporation and you have to set up an LLC. So um, your corporation, if you're in California, you have to be an S Corp. So I became an S Corp. And then if you decide to do um, a, if you decide to purchase a commercial building, you have to form a separate LLC to be in charge of that building. Essentially, they're two separate entities. So all of that um, got squared away. So now I am the president I'm the of my corporation and also the president of my LLC that is the owner of the building. I think it's because if something happens, they can't sue me yeah. personally. We started this whole process back in, gosh, I'm going to say October, oh, maybe wow. even a little bit sooner, um, going back and forth with the buyer um, to agree on a purchase price, and then from there doing all the background um, for the building to know that it is, is this something that I really want to move forward with? And then meeting with different contractors to walk the space and to get their bids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then from there you have to 
hire um, a designer and then that way you, that designer can work side by side with the contractor. So, But from the point from where you got the contractor, Dave, to the point where you started Demo Day, you did the due diligence. How much would you say roughly was all that? Just the due diligence part before Demo Day. Monetarily, you mean? Yeah. Um, okay, so an easy... It's like 10, 10, 15, 15 grand. So that's 15 grand. 15 grand of what people either don't necessarily think about when starting a practice or they completely don't even know about it. You need around 15 grand just for due diligence. Now, you mentioned you got a designer, IT, graphic designer. Who's your designer? Oh, my designer. So that's another story too. <laughs> so I I had chosen um, a, a designer initially who um, who was in the food and, and beverage industry and she she had never designed a dental space before mm-hmm. um, and I was naive to think that oh you know design is design um, you mm-hmm. it doesn't really have to be like dentally related and and I learned quickly that you know design isn't design and you have a floor plan that has to make sense and then you have to design cabinets around like the um, like the workflow so I ended up um, choosing a different designer after I I spoke with my contractor um, and this designer has done like a ton of dental spaces and her name is Tammy Teal and she's been amazing she's actually done a few projects on HGTV really yes yep I looked her up too Tammy spelled T-A-M-I and last name Teal spelled T-E-E-L is a native Northern Californian and is a regular contributor to HGTV. Her work has been featured on more than 20 programs, including House Crashers and Yard Crashers. It says in her bio that Tammy has become an invaluable asset to clients as they've come to realize that retaining her services yields both time and cost-saving advantages. I looked at her portfolio and resources. Her website could use some work, but she definitely knows what she's doing when it comes to design. So I'm definitely in good hands, and she's just a sweetheart. Me too. Good stuff. And so, but roughly how much would you say a designer costs? A really good one. Right. um, So I am, she's charging me $3,500 to design this space. So then IT, who's your IT guy? IT is... um, it's actually a friend of mine um, who did a bunch of dental practices around um, the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's in Roseville, and his name is Tim Vandermeiden. Um, I think he is—he's working solo now. He used to work for uh, Cisco Systems, big tech company in Silicon Valley. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't know what he's charging me. I haven't received his quote yet, so yeah. I. I can't tell you how much she's charging, but everyone knows who's done like a high tech dental office that it's not cheap. Yeah, so I'm like keeping my fingers crossed, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. His name is Tim Vanderm- Vanderminden. Vanderminden. Yeah. V-A-N-D-E-R-M-Y-D-E-N. And then who's your graphic designer? No. So my graphic designer, he's actually my cousin. His name is Steve Hovez. And it's awesome because... Not only is he helping me out, but he's doing it pro bono. Mm-hmm. Gotta love family. So, but I, he's also extremely busy because he's so talented. And the fact that he's doing this as a side thing for him, I don't, I didn't want to burden him with mm-hmm. with a lot of the work. So I started watching a bunch of YouTube videos because everyone knows that you you can teach or you can learn anything on YouTube. So I just googled like how to make a WordPress website. Mm-hmm. So I've actually devoted, I think, a lot of time learning how to customize my site, which, oh my gosh, it's not as easy as they make it seem. Like, even on WordPress, they have templates, but you have to customize each individual part, like the pixels and all this stuff. So I have so much more respect for graphic designers like and web yeah. developers. Yeah. So that is the reason why if you go to my website, it's still just a landing page because I think I'm just going to stick to dentistry <laughs> and, leave, and leave the web design to someone who actually knows what, 
what they're doing. Okay, yes. so but- now that we're all caught up, what <laughs> what's going on right now? What has been going on this week so far? Ah, oh, so awesome. Okay, so I actually just went to the space this morning, and they just started trenching. So it was extremely loud, which is why I didn't I didn't do a live video broadcast. Normally I would, but they have the crew hard at work. They they are sawing away the concrete floors as we speak, and then they're going to be tearing out all the existing um, piping and replacing it. So everything's getting gutted. Right now, right? Right now, right as we speak. And what else has been going on this week, this past week so far? Because right now we're on Wednesday, right? This is Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, we're on Wednesday. What else has been going on a little bit before this, maybe the weekend and this week besides the trenching? Okay, so that's um, an awesome question because I actually, I just came back from the CDA, which is the California California Dental Association Convention mm-hmm. um, in, in Anaheim just a few days ago. And I went to meet with my Patterson rep, uh, my equipment and my equipment specialist to help choose the equipment that's going to go in the space. So that's what I've been doing. My Patterson rep has been awesome. His name is Brian, Brian Fortner. Um, and basically, so I went in thinking that, you know, I was only going to spend X amount on the ops. I mean, I, I've uh, attended breakaway seminars and a quick plug for breakaway. If you are interested in doing a startup, it is a must. You have to have to go. It teaches you, um, a lot on how to save money. And I'm taking some of the things that they taught, but it's, it's kind of a compromise because, I still want like higher end stuff. So I went in thinking that I was gonna, you know, just spend X amount, like I said, and I even explored the option of of buying used equipment. And then once I went in and like played with the chairs, I I just fell in love with um, the Serona chair, which is crazy because it's like triple of what I wanted to spend. So right now I'm um, back and forth with um, with the Serona rep, um, and then hoping that we can come to some sort of agreement on on the price. So that's what's been happening. And so I haven't I haven't narrowed down like the equipment. I have my um, I I kind of have a ballpark of what I'm gonna do, and I have another meeting tomorrow with. Um, with my rep for the Cavo curve for digital radiographs. I'm meeting him tomorrow at the space. So um, I still want to do my research. And, and there's so much. It's so overwhelming when, when you go to the convention and there's just so many awesome toys and equipment. And, and you're, you have to find the balance between what you want and what you need and what you think is going to help you in terms of effic- efficiency and if you're going to reap the the benefits with with patients coming in the door so that's all something that I'm struggling with currently and how do you find that balance as far as because from what I've seen is you like a lot of high-end stuff right for your yeah. practice which is it's reasonable you want that but how do you know it's gonna pay off you don't, <laughs> I, don't. I don't know like I gosh I'm think so I feel like if it makes you a faster dentist, if it makes like your workflow more efficient, like so part of the thing about like intraoral cameras for instance, like one of the I think they're they're awesome at patient education. Mm-hmm. But working in practices where one the quality wasn't very good because it was like a really crappy camera or two it's something that the assistant has to go and plug in close out the program and then open up a new program and then we have to broadcast it to the monitor like all of that time spent I could be already like plugging and playing and and showing it to the to the patient so Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to Serona was the fact that um, they had they thought about the science behind like okay what are the things that slows us down as a dentist and and um, picking up like so they built in a an intraoral camera that as soon as you raise it 
it immediately just pops up on the screen that you can see and the patient can see simultaneously. There's there's no more plugging in stuff and, and closing out programs and broadcasting it to a different monitor. Um, and then they have something where, you know, at some point in the future, if you're doing endo, which I plan on doing, like you pick up the handpiece and they have the um, the capability of finding the apex like right then and there. Like mm-hmm. you see it in real time. So that's what I was drawn to. But like where I want to to save money, I guess, is cabinetry because, well, in my head, a lot of patients, they don't really look at cabinetry when you walk into a dental or medical office. I'm thinking about whether or not, you know, going high end for cabinetry versus either doing custom custom cabinets. And I've also read on Dentaltown um, doctors who have equipped with IKEA cabinets um, in places. Mm. I actually met with my designer at IKEA just to explore that as an option. And IKEA has really stepped up their game. I think it's very modern looking. Like they mm. have like Hogan Paul. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the same quality, but aesthetics, like it, it's pretty nice. And I played with it. Um, in terms of the the cabinetry, they have all the the soft closing drawers and, mm-hmm. and inserts. So that is something that I still haven't made up my mind on. So anything that is going to be where the patient is gonna one know the difference, like in terms of comfort, in terms of efficiency, that is stuff that I don't mind spending extra on for the patient, right? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So I want I want this this place to be not just like a dental visit. I want it to be a dental experience. And I've worked in practices where, you know, I know that the dentist was working on a budget and, and I get it. Like we all have to watch our numbers, but if it makes you enjoy practicing dentistry and if it, if it means that you're utilizing the best technology and, and educating your, your patients, I think, I think the return on investment is huge with that. So, so that's where I'm I'm playing tug of war in my head on because I know that I can get away with doing this a lot cheaper, but I also know that I'm in it for the long long term. I'm in it for the long game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm building and I don't want to be replacing equipment, you know, in every ten years or so because because that's money spent on downtime. So now as we talked and babbled and chattered more and more about her plans for her dream dental practice and what was going on this week, I couldn't help but wonder something I saw on her Facebook just a couple days ago that she had not brought up to me yet. It was something devastating. I wondered what was your big stressor this week? I grew impatient and I asked, what is the one thing you wish you knew before this week? Something that I, I really, really like. Something that was totally frustrating this week, um, if you've been following, was the fact that I didn't know that I couldn't use Smile Bar. So Smile Bar is a concept that I came up with a few years ago, just after I had thought of like this whole wine bar theme. And the reason for the wine bar theme isn't exactly like, oh, I want to serve wine, which I mean, I would love to. That'd be amazing, but. I just found that some of my best experiences were just sitting at the table, enjoying a glass of wine or a cup of coffee with someone like a friend or, or like whenever you're just completely comfortable and it's a casual environment. So that's what I wanted to achieve with Smile Bar. So that's where that term came from. And then one of my good friends, um, Glenda, she's been amazing. She, she's actually local and she, um, she has her own company here in Sacramento called Upper Club Media. Look them up if if you haven't already done so. But mm-hmm. she she let me know that um, you know what like there there is a trademark against that name. Um, so just be careful. I contacted one of my good friends who's in Philadelphia. He's um, his name is John Hammer. He is a a patent attorney. So he doesn't um, work with trademarks per se. But he told me like it does look like there is a federal trademark. It's true. Glenda from Upper Club Media and John, the patent attorney, were right. The name has been taken and trademarked. Turns out there's a Smile Bar Dental in Boston, a small boutique dentistry who specializes in Invisalign and Ortho. 
even though it's thousands of miles away, it still counts. Especially since Ashley and her future dental practice is highly active and exposed throughout social media. John and Glenda just saved Ashley from some serious major issues. Long story short, I lost the name because I didn't trademark that name when I had first came up with the concept. And so if you are thinking of a certain name, you have to go, um, you have to check the, I think it's called USPTO. Let me look it up here. Um, USP. Yeah, so the website is, is called TESS, Trademark Electronic Search System. Um, test2.uspto.gov. I'm sure you'll you'll link it in your show notes, but just do a quick search. When I thought of it, I I thought I had done all the due diligence. I wasn't aware of this particular um, trademark search. So um, if you're listening to this and you have a cool concept, make sure to check it out before you invest a lot of time into it. Because I I mean I spent thousands on the logo and doing the business applications. And now I have to go back to the dental board and um, pay money again for the fictitious name. So I'm just glad it it's happening earlier on. I wish I had known about it a little bit earlier. Like, like I said, I, I thought I was already well-educated in terms of my own research, but it doesn't hurt to just, if you have any attorneys that you're friends with or that you know of, like just... Just use your resources and, and mm-hmm. learn from my mistakes. And so right now, what did you change the name to? So the name is Smile & Co. Smile & Company. So Same um, concept though, right? Everything's still same, the same? Oh, yeah. Everything is still the same. Um, same concept. Um, I still plan on working with a lot of local businesses nearby because I'm a big fan of, of just people who who are entrepreneurs and and you know are trying to make a difference in their communities so um yeah Mm -hmm. and and the whole wine bar theme it's still it's still in action i just want it to be a place where you just come in and it doesn't look or smell like a dental office although she lost the name smile bar which was devastating there's still something else something much more deeper that was concerning ashley there is still another major headache huge stressor, another major pain that many can relate to, but not many can cope with or even handle. This week, she discovered it. Anybody who has started a business will tell you, like, finding the balance between family time and business time. And even if you're not working in your business, you're working on your business, and when you're you're not, like, physically doing anything, you're thinking about it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I just... I mean, I have two little boys and I have a husband who's who's just been so supportive. Um, but my boys are three and a half and two and and I feel bad, like see I'm getting emotional again. See, I'm this is why I think of women don't go don't go into practice ownership. Like okay. you you feel bad about like you know, trying to be a good mom and and not divide your time, but I think it it'll just be worth it in the end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in entrepreneurship, that's like the biggest, uh, big battle, finding the balance between family and business. And a lot of the times you start to think like during business, even if it's going good or even if it's going kind of not so good, especially if it's not going good, um, you start thinking, you know, what? it might be even better for me to just to have like a regular nine to five. And then I don't right. have to think about right. it at all when I'm right. after 530. I don't have to think about this until the next day at nine, you know? Right. I said in in um, the first interview, like I'm just, I'm just so grateful for my, um, for for my for my parents. Like mm-hmm. my husband's parents are watching my boys right now as we speak, and they are just a huge blessing. They live seven minutes away from me, and my mom too. She, she, um, she works in the Bay Area. She's actually an office manager mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, and on the weekends she comes up to help me with the boys on the weekend and and I don't I don't know how anybody does this raising two little boys and and I think from a woman's perspective like it's I see my husband just grinding at work like day in day out and it's and he actually he really I mean he's such a good dad but he like he's so driven 
at work. And for females, like we have, you know, this stigma that, you know, if, if you're a, a working mom, like you can't, you can't be that good of a mom. And I mean, I, it's, it's a balancing act. And, and I, I just want to set up the foundation now so that I'll be able to take off time in the future. And, yeah. and I think anything worth anything is, is it, there's going to be sacrifice involved. And, and right now it's, that is, is my biggest sacrifice. Just, just doing this while my boys are young. And what does your husband do? He's a doctor, right? Yes. So he's a, he's a pain management doc. He works for a private practice here in Sacramento. Um, they're called spine and nerve diagnostic center. Um, and he's, I, I mean, I am incredibly fortunate because not only is he completely supportive of, of this venture of mine, but unlike a lot of startups, like I, I actually have that income to fall back on, which, you know, it's, it's scary. And, and I understand why so many people are just so fearful to take this leap of faith because they don't have that second income. And it's something that I'm, I'm just so grateful for. So besides the name smile bar being taken and the biggest stressor or problem to solve, which is the balance between business and personal life. There's also small things that go wrong every single day things that we easily overlook or don't know about when deciding to build a practice these small things can add up and overwhelm us test us and break us down i'm finding as we go along that i just have to be more patient about everything and that things you know like like on the construction site they were talking about how you know they found dry rot on the exterior and Mm -hmm. it's like added expense and and I have to be patient and just remember like why I'm doing it and in terms of like the whole name change thing I was just so heartbroken about losing that name but like you just have to to be able to pivot and and I'm, I'm glad that you know it could be so much worse. Like I am so incredibly blessed to be given this opportunity to be doing something like this and and I know that like not everybody has that this or they don't have the support system behind them they don't have family nearby or they don't have a spouse or added income to to supplement this so like with everything that's happened like all the frustrations that I that I'm enduring I I just I'm just learning how to to just be grateful for everything now in building something as big as a dental practice reality will always kick you in the butt and put obstacles in your way. This is expected. However, what's not always expected are the some ones or the some things that help you beat down these obstacles, sustain yourself and your business, and help you strive to reach your vision so early on. So I really wanted to know, what was Ashley's favorite resource this week? An absolute lifesaver when starting a dental practice. Dr. Anissa Holmes, um, mm-hmm. because if if you are in the dental community thinking about doing like social media stuff, like you have you have to take her course. Um, it's it's been a godsend. Like she's the the okay. So Facebook and social media, like it's it's a different beast. Like there are so many things that I did not know about marketing and about like split testing and like how to define your audience and all that stuff. So, so I'm learning as we go and she's just been an incredible resource. Anytime I have a question, I just direct message messenger her and she just responds almost instantaneously. So, so she's been super awesome. What is the main lesson this week you want the audience to take away? Oh gosh, like just stick to your vision. I mean, if if the bid goes up, which I'm pretty sure it will, just you just have to find out where you can cut back on and and as long as you know it supports the ultimate goal at the end, just stick with it. Write it out. What's next so far? So they're going to finish trenching and then I have to make my final decision with the equipment and all that stuff. And honestly, I 
I'm going to be meeting with my um, my designer again next week to go over um, some samples and and stuff like that. Actually, later, like in two hours, I'm meeting with um, Taryn Grows. She's a member of the Folsom Chamber of Commerce. Um, and like I said, I I plan on being like um, a big supporter of just local businesses in this area. So I'm meeting with her um, so that I can tell her my plan for mm -hmm. the dental space and, and go from there. So Taryn Groves? Yes, Groves, G-R-O-W-S. And that's pretty much it. She has a lot of work to deal with in this week alone. Plenty of meetings, much more planning, and plenty of excitement. But Ashley's biggest concern this week is still hindering her progress. And honestly, this concern that she let me know is huge when it comes to marketing and creating a brand new dental practice. And guess what? Ashley wants you, the person listening to this episode, to help her out. Oh my gosh, I need help with my website. I don't know. I, I don't know if, if I should just stick to my guns and teach myself how to code. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and just watch YouTube videos or I mean should I outsource it and and just you know uh, have someone professional do this and I know I'm trying to s save money where I can but let me know let me know what you guys did and who you guys used and if you would use them again and what to look for in a web design branding logo company oh and another thing does it have to be dental specific Mm -hmm. um, and do you do a lot of your copy? So let me know, um, all the dentists out there who have amazing websites, um, your experiences with which company and, and would you do it again? Though the process has been stressful so far, there's always warm and embracing light at the end of the long, dark, cold, shivering, narrow tunnel. But we're just barely entering the tunnel. Please, don't forget to help Ashley with her biggest concern and question this week. What should she do with her brand and website? Tune in weekly for this brand new series. And thank you for listening to The Making of Smile & Co.